Welcome back. We are on episode number six of the Dan Time Podcast. Hey, I'm your host, Dan McArdle. And no, this show is not about me. I have probably let too many episodes go by without reminding the listeners, some of you for the first time, that the goal of this podcast is not to promote me. It is to bring you impactful people, interesting people who have done things, are doing things, and have a story to tell. So just in case you were wondering, because it might look like a vanity exercise on my part, and it's not. If you'll notice, these intros, I try to keep them short and get straight to the conversation. Now, I have largely achieved my goal of introducing Dan after Dan and a Danny, and maybe there was going to be a Daniel or another Dan, uh, we've done a lot of those in a row, uh, enough, I think, that we can begin to introduce some different names. It's okay. It's fine. And um, this week, we get back to a non-Dan, but someone who knows me very well and has a great story to share. Today, I'm really happy and excited to bring to you my conversation with Chris Furmeister. Chris and I go back many, many years his career in journalism goes back about 20 years, close to it. Chris reports on the residential real estate and restaurant industries for the Atlanta Business Chronicle. He's been in that role for almost the past four years. Prior to that, he was an editor with Eater Atlanta, writing breaking news stories and feature stories, covering nightlife and restaurants, technology, politics. Chris was also the managing editor for the official Auburn blog at SB Nation. Ours is a friendship that many of you can probably relate to, where you got to dial back to your early 20s, mid-20s, different time in your life, a crossroads perhaps, but you found someone who you like to joke around with. They made you laugh, you made them laugh, you like to hang out together, and you just kept the line open. You know, networking is all about keeping the line open with people who are interested in you for you, not because of the car you drive or the house you live in or the stuff that you have or how appealing you are at any given time to anybody else. They like you because you guys have a connection and they're interested in your success and vice versa. I would, of course, appreciate if after listening to this episode, you download and subscribe to Dan Time on whichever platform you listen to so you don't miss an episode as they come out. The Dan Time Podcast now has an official YouTube channel. Check us out on YouTube. That's where you can find all the Friday Challenge videos in every episode. All right, let's go now to my conversation with Chris Furmeister. Chris, how's it going, man? DMAC, good to be here. I think that's the first time I've heard DMAC in, um, well, probably since our annual Blue Wahoos game. Yeah, down at the ballpark. Chris, this is just great to reconnect with you. Not too many months go by without a text message about a ball game or a uh, current event of some sort. This is, um, as I alluded to, just an, a dear old friend of mine, Chris Furmeister, and I'm just super excited to have you on the show today, Chris. Yeah, I mean, seriously, thanks for having me. It's uh, we we do we do connect over the text message. Um, that's our, I guess, our most common connection. But yeah, I like it when we're able to get together down uh, at a Blue Wahoos game down at the ballpark. So I'm beautiful. What is that? Is that on Pensacola Bay? What? Yep, Pensacola Bay. 
yeah, I'm fortunate to have the in-laws down there. So make a trip down to DMAC world once or twice a year. Yeah, it's a it's a destination ballpark for sure. If you're a fan of baseball or if you're just a fan of, I mean, minor league baseball, Chris, I think we've talked about this for a long time. It's always been pretty affordable. Even if you've got one kid or three kids to just go out and have a great time, you can usually find, and I don't know if this is true of every city, but street parking, if you want to save on parking, you can eat at home before you go out. If you don't want to spend a lot on food, it's a pretty good bang for the buck. It's so good. It's, it's, you know, you can get out in and out for like 20 bucks, maybe all in, uh, if, if you're just by yourself, maybe a little more of your, if you're feeding the kids, it's definitely cheaper than your, than your major league event. But have you, have you uh, seen the news about the Wahoo Stadium becoming a, a possible Airbnb rental? Have you, have you considered maybe spending the night there sometime? I, I did hear about that. And um, it's, been, uh, it's been a while since I've thought about possibly doing something like that. I mean, that's, man, I guess you got to throw it on the bucket list. You can get you and, and 90 of your pals. Um, it says there's one bedroom, but 10 beds. I think that means that there's 10 beds in the clubhouse. Um, it's only you know five thousand one hundred and forty three dollars a night. So if you split that ten ways, seems like a pretty reasonable uh, time out at, at the old ballpark. I wonder what kind of damage waiver. <laughs> I don't know what their insurance policy is. I mean, we got a fantasy football league of me and nine other guys. I'm sure there's there's been a group like that. I mean, can you get your draft, you know, the computer screen of your draft, just up on the scoreboard, and you can have your fantasy draft? At the Wahoo Stadium, maybe you're dispersed throughout the ballpark in the bleachers. Maybe you're all uh, lined up on the field together. Maybe you're in the dugout. I don't know. I mean, it seems like a pretty good time. Yeah, this is dream world type stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Chris, I think it was, if I'm doing the math, about 17 years ago in August Mm -hmm. that we first met, first became friends at the old Birmingham News Building which if I remember correctly, and I don't know how long this was going on throughout that summer, but there was no air conditioning. No, no AC. I started that year, uh, I think I started about six months before you in, I think it was February. It, it, it was nice and warm and toasty during the winter time, but during, uh, during the summer months, it got pretty hot. I remember there were air conditioning units in the building um, and they showed the temperature next to the unit. And the temperature was regularly in the in the 80s and that's you know directly next to the to the unit that is blowing cold air so it was they call it the old building for a reason i guess right <laughs> yeah and then, yeah you know, and... they moved they moved to the new building which sadly <laughs> they're gone from the new building now yeah not a long run at the new building um and i'm sure that's true of other municipalities around that time period if you, if you look at the first three or four or five years of the 21st century before the market turn, I mean, there's so much optimism carrying over from the 90s and um, the success of the tech industry. And then it just, wow, I mean, I'm sure a lot of investments were made in similar facilities only to have it come crashing down a few short years later. Yeah, nobody uh, nobody figured that the internet would have any sort of significant impact on the on the newspaper industry and and how how newspapers make money. Turns out it was a decent impact. Well, it wasn't long after September two thousand eight that that I left the Birmingham News, and now you stayed through the transition from 
the print operation to the mostly digital operation, what are your what are some takeaways from how it once was to that transition and to how it is today? And are there things that you miss or are you pretty much on board with the way we produce journalism and, and how consumers watch and read and it was definitely the early days of the Birmingham News and, and AL.com, which is probably the more known publication at this point. Um, those were the early days of embracing the Internet. I, I don't think that really most of us had much to do with actually putting things online. I think I remember it was Mike Perrin was like our digital guy. He was the one who seemed to be responsible for collecting everything that went into the newspaper and putting it up on the internet. But, I, you know, these days, I mean, I am actually working for a publication now that has a print product. So print does still exist, but obviously you can't really turn back the clock and turn back the influence of the internet. I mean, it's, it makes total sense to, to have everything as a, as a digital first publication these days. I mean, I just remember I, I worked at the news for, for five years. It seems like every six months or so the actual physical newspaper itself not the number of pages but the the sheets of paper would just get smaller and smaller and smaller <laughs> until it was getting down to being you know close to cvs receipt size <laughs> yeah and um when you hold both hands out to to hold a newspaper i mean the way that somebody would have done that in the even in the early mid 1990s is drastically different than how it was. And I mean, the few papers you can get your hands on now, a few daily papers. I don't know how many copy inches we've lost. Yeah. I mean, if you were sitting in a park on a, on a bench, trying to, trying to spy on somebody, you just, you didn't, didn't have enough, enough paper to be peering up over. It wasn't going to hide your face. You were, you were going to be given away. <laughs> you used to be able to really obscure yourself. And <laughs> those days are over. You know, wrapping your fish, putting your, uh, you know, training your training your puppy. You're just you're going through a lot more paper for those things. Chris, you and I both, um, and one of the reasons we become great friends is we're just huge sports fanatics. And uh, earlier in, in your career, you reported a course on Auburn football for SB Nation, and um, covered some other sports as well. What, what do you enjoy the most? I know that right now in your current role with the Atlanta Business Chronicle. You know, you're mostly covering it's real estate, the food industry. Do you have two loves at the same time or is sports just? I mean, so in terms of coverage and, you know, professional work, I've, well, I do, you know, some, some real estate stuff now, but it, it's mostly been my career has been some sports writing and then and covering the restaurant industry. And it's, it's kind of, I, I think that they impact my interests in those things um, in two different ways because I love sports, obviously, as you mentioned. Um, I do consider myself a bit of a gourmand. I love to cook. I love to eat. I love going to restaurants. Working in sports kind of always took away the enjoyment of sports because it really did make it work. You know, you don't really get to to crack a few cold ones during a game if you're uh, having to cover that game. <laughs> It's not not quite as a uh, fun of an adventure. Um, it is uh, fulfilling, definitely, but but it definitely takes the fun out of it. Whereas covering restaurants, I mean, that tends to mean that I'm just going to be talking to to more restaurant people, maybe going to restaurants more, uh, trying to find out what's going on in the industry and, and the local scene. So it actually kind of adds to my enjoyment of uh, of eating and dining and, and all that stuff. So they definitely 
they definitely have different different impacts on my on my interests in those those things. I like how you put that because when we were younger in our early twenties, it's hard not to dream of a career in sports journalism. But mm-hmm. speaking for myself, I know as I've gotten older, it's probably as nice for you to just be able to enjoy games and not have any other stake in them or not have to treat your hobby as an assignment and mm-hmm. how uh, covering the, the restaurant industry is more enjoyable because it's it's just a little different, I guess, than being a, a sports viewer and someone who wants to keep up with all the intricacies of sports as opposed to writing about it. Sometimes there's uh, some you know other podcasts I listen to, sports podcasts, and there there are times where the the hosts sound like they they're get, they're delivering great information and you know like the Chicago Cubs for instance but it sounds like wow they are just burning the midnight oil at how could you possibly enjoy every pitch of the game yeah absolutely i mean i you know i covered atlanta united our local major league soccer team here in atlanta um for a season a few years ago that's really my only experience being an actual beat writer for a team. It is a grind. Game days are, you're going to be there at least a couple hours before the game. And you are at the stadium long after, long after all the fans have left. Uh, you are, you know, you're down in the bowels of the stadium doing the, doing the press conference. You're going into the locker room, talking to the players. You've got to get back and you've got to write stuff, which trying to, to try to write something that has all the all the information that you want and and is also you know well written and something that you would like to put out in the world it's kind of tough when you're <laughs> you know on hour eight and it's maybe midnight and it's something where obviously sports writing is a dream and you know you shouldn't complain about it but but it is it is harder work than i think maybe a lot of people realize yeah i, I think the the best of the best probably just make it look easy but like like you said i mean they're not getting to really watch and absorb the ball games the same way that the sports fan on their couch is getting to do and you're up early and up late not joining your wife for dinner and that sort of thing um chris i I want to transition really quick to your your current role with the atlanta business chronicle uh specifically some of the impacts of the pandemic and what you've seen out there with with entrepreneurs that have had to open restaurants and then shutter the doors in a I don't know eighteen month two year span, mm-hmm. you've had to see a lot of that. I'm sure that's pretty emotional, obviously, for those folks involved. Yeah, it's there's probably not been a more difficult time uh, for for restaurant owners, um, really for a lot of business owners or or just business people in general that. That was pretty unprecedented back in 2020, going into 2021, especially. There were, I think in in the state of Georgia, there were thousands of restaurants that closed, but there's been a lot that have opened. The industry has been, I think, more resilient than than I expected it to be. Um, And I think it kind of gets down to the fact that restaurant owners, restaurateurs are exactly, as you said, they're entrepreneurs and so they they tend to to find ways to make it work and figure out a way to to keep things going and if you know if they do have to shut the door on on one thing you know they might they might try again down the road um there's been a lot of a lot of innovation in the industry you know a lot of 
figuring out new ways to serve people, uh, whether that's in the restaurant itself or in new delivery models, new takeout models. Um, there's been, you know, I know that like in Atlanta, at least we've had new city laws changed where, where you can, you can take a cocktail to go. You can get a cocktail or a beer or a glass of wine or something in your takeout order, for example. I mean, just like these, these little things to help keep, keep restaurants going when, when they're at their really on their knees. Um, so it's obviously been extremely tough, but a lot of restaurant owners are, are figuring out a way to, to get through it. And uh, you also reported on downtown Atlanta basically transforming from just that office, business only, uh, I wouldn't say sterile look and feel to more of an entertainment district or, or more of a, a vast entertainment district. How is that been uh, unfolding here the past few years that you know that we're kind of getting some some distance from covid and and the restrictions and all that sort of thing yeah it's i mean i'm sure that you probably had the same sort of perception of atlanta that that i did you know growing up in birmingham and you you would probably make it over to atlanta for for maybe a braves game if the cubs were in town or, or maybe there was a concert or something or you know, maybe you were going to go see Alabama play in the SEC championship game. Um, I know that those were the kinds of events that, that brought me to Atlanta, although it would be Auburn in the SEC championship game, obviously. But if you're that kind of person, you know, you you go, the event is downtown. You're probably going to stay somewhere downtown. And Atlanta is actually a pretty vibrant city. And just about all of that vibrancy is outside of, of the actual downtown core. And it's something that I know business leaders here and, and, you know, city planner type folks, um, city government folks have been wanting to change. There has been a lot of development interest down there. Um, it has, you know, there's been momentum. It's, it's hit some snags this year um, with, with obviously the, the current interest rate climate, you know, financing for, for construction and development has gotten a lot more difficult and some projects that were in the works have, have been put on hold. Um, but it is, it does feel like that there's, at least, you know, the idea of momentum to, to really sort of revitalize downtown um, within the next few years. There are, there are some grand plans in the works that haven't really been there, you know, at any point in the past. Yeah, and I was recently in Atlanta. We didn't get to catch up because I was only there for one night, but went to the Battery and Truist Park. I mean, just what an electric atmosphere. I know the, the Braves are red hot. So that's part of it. I mean, the fans are just ecstatic about what's going on with the team. Speak about the battery and how that that's kind of the new prototype for Major League Baseball and maybe other sports, like maybe what fans seem to want out of their experience and what you might see in new ballparks being built in the next 10 or so years. Yeah, I think any new ballpark, stadium, arena, whatever for, for any sport, basically any, at any point going forward, that's that is the model. Um, you want to build in all this entertainment around the actual venue itself, so that there's revenue for the team before the game, after the game, uh, even not on game days. I mean, the Braves make so much money off of all the stuff that's going on up there, so it's great for them. I mean, obviously, I you know I live a little further south of that. I'm I'm in the city. I'm over here in East Atlanta. 
Um, so I was, I was pretty disappointed when they left. Um, I actually, the day that we found out we were moving to Atlanta was the day that the Graves announced that they would leave downtown Atlanta and move out to the Burbs. So I was, oh. I was, I was pretty disappointed in that. We got a, we got a couple of years with, with the Braves still playing at the Ted, you know, the old Turner field, um, which I loved, like it was great, but I, yeah, I've been to the battery a few times more for, uh, working things. Um, I, I actually have yet to go to a Braves game at the battery. So I'm, I'm well overdue, I guess. You know, I, what I must say, and this is just maybe me showing my age, but I went to a number of games at Turner Field, and once you were inside that ballpark, I know there wasn't a lot outside the park, but the games and the experience there was pretty spectacular. I mean, I saw a couple playoff games there, and it wasn't a whole lot wrong, in my opinion, with just the experience inside the park. But I know that the consumers, sports consumers, and uh, you know your family, it was probably a lot of people going to Braves games who are not watching to see if there's going to be a hit and run. Right. <laughs> and so they need a lot more entertainment. There's a lot of stuff for the kids, but I, I'm kind of a little old school. I'm, I listened to a podcast recently about mall parks, M A L L. Uh, the first time I've heard that term being used. And I guess that's referring to the battery and what we're probably going to see more of. And again, it's, it's very exciting. It's good for the whole family, but I'm a huge baseball fan. I love the, the game itself. So I don't need, I don't really need all of that going on, but I think that for a lot of franchises who are coming up on a, who do have an old ballpark, they're probably going to move in that direction. Yeah. And I'm with you. I'm, I'm more old school in my mindset uh, as well. I mean, you know, my favorite, my favorite ballpark is Rickwood field, which that's about as bare bones as it gets. <laughs> I mean, it is, you know, purely baseball centric. There is, no other entertainment whatsoever, unless you want to go like throw some of the gravel in the parking lot around or something. But, but it is, I mean, you, you can't argue with success. And I mean, the Braves have had tons of success with that model. I know there's been, um, they, they've done a similar development, I think out, uh, it used to be at the Staples Center. I think it was renamed to a, a cryptocurrency firm and has maybe been renamed since then. But, you know, where the Lakers and the Clippers play, they they built up a big development around that to do a, a similar sort of thing. Um, there's, you gotta, there's a lot of revenue streams out there. They've, they've figured that out. Yeah, I talk about the Rickwood Classic. Um, I've posted about it on the Dan Time Twitter page. And you and I have been to at least a couple of those Rickwood Classics together. Chris, there is just nothing like a ball game where there's there's no dizzy bat race, there's no zany PA announcements, there's no modern music, there's a jazz band. That's, that's your only music. It's just there's an old jazz band behind home plate. I mean, folks, if you've never been and, you're, and you love baseball, you're literally going to feel like you've been transported back in time. I can only imagine that's what it was like watching a game in the 1950s or 60s or earlier. And, yeah. you know, we're, we're just, you're never going to see that again. It's a big, big production these days. And a lot of, distra- even when you're just trying to watch the middle of, of one inning, there's a lot of stuff going on. So depending on where you're sitting, it'd be very easy to lose track of the gameplay. Yeah, at Rickwood, you're not going to, there's not going to be a foul ball that goes out of the stadium and then you hear the <laughs> sound effect of a, car window being smashed <laughs> to come over the PA system. That, that, <laughs> they don't have that there. That's it's uh I mean it, you you watch a game at Rickwood and you feel like you are in 
an early episode of Ken Burns Baseball. I mean, it, it's you really do feel that uh, step back into time. Chris, I'm going to start careening off a cliff here. I've got a few questions, and we, we might recover, or we might just stay in um, Bizarro World. I'm not sure. <laughs> I guess about 15 years ago, you wrote a, a hot corner. Of, I don't know what the last time you heard that phrase. <laughs> about 15 years. Folks, when we worked together, this was quite a privilege. It was kind of a new thing also. We got to write fantasy baseball advice a stardom and sit section uh, that would appear in, uh, alongside the, the game capsules. But uh, the reason I bring this up, Chris, is uh, we had a hot, a hot corner 2008 on Zach Grinke. Not really important that you said stardom or sit but Chris, Zach is still in uniform in Major League Baseball for the Kansas City, back with the Kansas City Royals. But i got to get your thoughts on this. This man is has a record of one and 14. Is it time for Zach to hang it up? Well, if the Royals are still starting him and they're still uh, you know, signing the paychecks, then he's still got the love of the game in him, then I don't know why he would. He's obviously eating innings. Somebody's got to do it. <laughs> I don't know that uh, they have any other better options. It's been quite a career for Grookey. I mean, he's, he's going on, what, 20 years now. What are your, In general, what are your thoughts on the professional athlete hanging around, as they say, long past his prime are you okay with it in all instances do they need to shut it down i think it depends on the situation i I think that in most situations somebody who's hanging around if they're still i mean maybe zach grinke is an exception here because one in 14 is not a great record but you (laughs) know in, in most situations if they're hanging around that means somebody's still still signing them so they've still got something to offer um so you know keep keep on keeping on until until that door closes. The only problem is, is that when it's, when you get maybe an aging superstar who is maybe beloved by the fans and really hangs around past, past their prime um, and they're not contributing, but the, but maybe the team feels like they, you know, we, we can't let them go. We can't, we can't cut them because like the fans upset. That's really the only time that it, that it can be a problem for anybody. I think. Chris, are you in favor of bringing back the player manager to Major League Baseball? I would love to see the player manager. I think that's uh, if the manager can't rely on if his players aren't getting it done and he needs to get out there and do it himself, then he, he needs to have that power to do it. Sometimes <laughs> you got to take matters into your own hands. Now, I'm really going to be shooting off into some pretty strange directions here, but Chris, your patience level patience level for slow-moving pedestrians at big box stores walking from the parking lot into the store and causing you to to wait a little while uh i can lose my patience on that it uh i i try that's something that i you know as i've gotten older i i recognize my you know my strengths and my faults and getting a little bit of a hot temper out of nowhere um getting really annoyed about something that probably i shouldn't get too annoyed about that could be one of those things. So I, I try to, I try to not to get upset. But if I'm having a not great day or something, then yeah, I mean, I'm not gonna yell at him or anything. But I'll definitely be sighing and muttering under my breath. <laughs> when you are picking up food to bring home or running through the drive-through, does it bother you when a bag of food is handed over to you, but it does not come with a "thanks, have a great night"? 
thanks. We appreciate you. Just the handing over the bag, no eye contact, maybe, and just here you are. Or do you just take the bag and go? I think I tend to, I, I sort of flip the, that situation on its head. And I, I really just, I lean into it and I've taken the bag and I'm like really forcing the eye contact and I'm saying, thank you. I hope you have a great day. And it's sort of, I, I create the, uh, the moment. I love it. Chris, if you and your wife are walking down the street and it's pouring down rain, or maybe it's it stopped raining, but it's been raining, and you're about to go over a crosswalk, and there's a giant puddle. There it is. Is there ever a time where you would take off your jacket and throw it in that puddle for your wife to to walk on? A... I realize the answer should probably be yes to this, and I apologize to Sally if she's listening. But, I mean, I, you know, first of all, though, I, I'm not – I'm usually not prepared when I'm walking in a rainstorm. I usually don't have a rain jacket on, so there's really not going to be the option. And, you know, Sally is usually more prepared than me, and she's typically wearing rain boots if it's raining outside. So I think that she's covered, and I'm going to be the one who's soaked anyway. <laughs> Chris, when you've, got, when you've got one attempt left at guessing one of your passwords on one of your bill pay sites— and you're just thinking, what in the world is it? I mean, I got the same variation of, of this password. What's going on here? Are you you're down to one shot? Are you going for all the marbles, or are you throwing in the towel and hitting that reset password link? Oh, I'm resetting the password. Don't take a chance. Yeah, you can't, you can't do it. It's just it's not worth not worth the pain. I don't want to be locked out for you know, eight hours or however long it's going to be. You really don't. It's it's not a good move. Because then I'm going to forget to pay that bill. <laughs> so that's just my fa- financial life is going to be in ruin. One more silly question. I, I've, I've never actually gotten uh, down into silly season and then climbed back out of it. But I, uh, I'm i going to try to ask one more just junk question. Well, it's not junk. This is important stuff. Give yourself um, some credit, D-Mac. All right, Chris. When you are applying the toothpaste on your toothbrush, are you going for one dab are you just putting a messy glob on there that's just going to somehow stay on the brush? Or are you trying to get that perfect toothpaste spread like you might see in the old Aquafresh commercial uh, with the hook on it or whatever you call it? What's your style? So I have a, an electric toothbrush. It's got the little round head. So I don't, I don't have the opportunity to, to do the, the Aquafresh sort of spread and, and lift it off the little peak the stiff peak there at the end uh it's more of more of a dollop um what i find that tends to be annoying is that i start brushing my teeth and it's like the little blob of toothpaste flies off into my mouth and it's like it's just sitting there and not getting dissolved so i really i, I work really hard to make sure that that the toothpaste gets really dissolved and, and, and frothy before before i really get into the into the hard work of, of brushing my teeth that's a that's a great strategy yeah. Chris, I got to ask, uh, this is me climbing back up out of the gutter. You got to be a dad along with your career. You work really hard. Are there times where your work is, is calling on you over a s- certain period of time of the day or the evening and your daughter would really love to have your attention and you just can't give it to her? How does it go 
with saying, hey, hang on, give me another 30 minutes, give me another hour, and I'll be right there. How does that go over in the Furmeister household? Well, I think it probably goes about as the same in my household as it does in most households. I'm sure that you know how it goes. <laughs> it's, uh, you know, I might go back to our, our little home office that we have and, and try to do some work in there, but um, I don't think that door locks. So <laughs> there's an exercise bike in there that, you know, my daughter will, will come in and really start climbing all over the exercise bike, uh, which she never does at any other time. It's only, only if I'm back there working. Um, so she's, she, you know, she understands that I need to be working, but she really just can't help herself. Right. They, they can't at a certain age. Chris, We've been going uh, on that certain age for like three years now. Right. <laughs> I can relate at my house as well. Um, do you have any advice for young dads? or really any dad that's got a three-year-old, a five-year-old, a seven-year-old, and, I mean, they really test your last nerve, but just to do what you do, be great at what you do, but also have fun being a dad. I mean, because it, it can get really stressful, really annoying with these little monsters, but uh, are you still able to <laughs> to just have fun with your child? So I will admit that uh, having one child, I think it makes it easier uh, for me to to have fun and not be as stressed. I would I would think with three children, there might be a little more stress um, than than fun. Though I'm sure there is still fun in there in that situation. I would I, it's you always got to remember that your kids are going to remember what what their childhood was like. Like what your your parenting is going to mold them and make them into into who they are. Um, but in terms of, you know, if you're dealing with stress, and for me, this was much more when, when my daughter was, was a newborn and an, and an infant in those, those probably that first year or so. I sort of always, I just tried to stay on an even keel when, when times were tough and when I was really peak stress. Um, I would just try to tell myself, you know, this is going to get better at some point. Whatever is going on right now will end and things will get better. I can get through this. And when times would be really great, I would definitely enjoy it. Um, but I would also say, you know, it's great. It's not going to be great forever. It's going to be stressful again at some point. Like, be okay if it gets stressful again, because um, it will. So it's really it's really about staying on an even keel, I think. That's really great advice. For me, I know that the cliche, take it day by day, It's mm -hmm. it really applies. Because like you said, today might be just wonderful. It's beautiful outside. Everybody's happy. Nobody's angry about anything at the, at the house. But you just never know what the, what the next day or the next week or uh, what challenges you're going to face. So try to be ready, be present, and, and be a good example. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that, that, that is the number one thing. Be a good example. That, that's obviously like the most important thing. Do you have uh, a podcast or a couple podcasts that you really enjoy right now? I do. I, yeah, I, I try to, to squeeze in a few a few podcasts when I can. Obviously, Dan Time is the, the at the top of the list. Uh, that's the best one out there. Well, of course. If, if we're going like anything aside from the obvious best. Just a, uh, a, a distant second. Yeah, a distant second, like best of the rest, clearly. Um, there are a couple of, of college football podcasts that I like. One is called The Shutdown Fullcast. One is called uh, Split Zone Duo. They're, they're very different. Uh, Shutdown Fullcast is very uh, bizarre is probably how the best way to describe it and oftentimes very much goes off the rails and is 
really not even about college football at all. Um, Split Zone Duo is much more of a, you know, you get the sort of analytics, you get the sort of the insidery stuff, but but it focuses on really all of college football, not just like basically the top 25 teams that, that you can get news and information for um, pretty much anywhere. Um, so yeah, those, those are a couple that I, that I really enjoy. And any music that you're listening to, or do you have much time to just jam out or, I know there was a time in my life where I listened to almost exclusively music in the car and now it's, I'd say mostly podcasts, but yeah. Do you have anything that you're rocking to? I, I agree with you. I, I tend to find myself listening to podcasts in the court in the car uh, more now as well. You know, you might be in the same situation that I am. I I think that a lot of a lot of folks as they as they get older, um, I used to tr- you know really try to keep up with a lot of a lot of new music. I was really into some of the the indie and the underground type stuff. Uh, some some punk rock, some emo. These days, it's really hard to uh, to keep up with what's new, and I find myself just listening to a lot of the same stuff that I would have been listening to ten years ago, twenty years ago. It's it's tough to keep up with the new stuff, um, but I do. You know, I like Jason Isbell a lot. Um, I like Jenny Lewis a lot. She used to be the uh, the lead singer of Rilo Kylie. She's had a a nice independent uh, solo career for a while now. Every now and then, I'll I'll be able to find a find a new album that I can tuck into and, and really enjoy. But a lot of it is a lot of it is listening to to the old standards. I think uh, I really enjoy singer songwriter stuff. And really, a long time ago, when lead singers or the primary songwriters of my favorite bands would split off and do a solo record, mm-hmm. I would really get into that. And in some cases, I like some of the solo albums that lead singers have done more than the uh, primary band. I mean, of course, I've talked about them before, but Driving and Crying. Oh, yeah. Out of Atlanta, Kevin Kinney's solo catalog is, I don't know if I like it more, but I just really like everything he does. Yeah, I mean, I guess, DMAC, what I would ask you is, what's on your iPod? <laughs> right. That's a, uh, and folks, that's a, a question that we used to get. I, I wanted to talk about this, Chris, our zones experience every Wednesday night, 15, 16 years ago, uh, we would tackle a section of the, (laughs) of the community sports section. So the zones would be North, South, East, West. I think a student athlete of the week, that would always be the question. What's on your iPod. And what was the most common answer? Uh, everything from blink 182 to green day. Or everything from Garth Brooks to George Strait, which not not a lot of daylight, but no. <laughs> you you would get the very narrow answer like that, or you would get the other classic, anything but rap or country. And it, yeah, oh yeah, Chris, what I'm listening to in the car right now, and I never thought that this would that I would be in this place, but a lot of children's music because mm-hmm. my kids have figured out that we could basically pull up anything on demand and so we're listening to danny go songs we're listening to blaze and the monster machines um i mean you name it let's see there's um the frozen soundtrack ah yes very familiar with that now when i don't have the kids in the car there's this uh irish songwriter celtic acoustic um i'm screwing up the genre here but dan mccabe 
hey, Dan, if you're listening, I would love for, to have you on the podcast. <laughs> come on the show. Come on the show anytime. But yeah, Dan McCabe, just some some excellent stuff there. I feel like I've been missing out on the, the whole Irish music scene all these years. Yeah, Irish music is great. It's, I mean, if you like the, the singer-songwriter stuff, and be, being from the South, being from sort of the, the tip of, of Appalachia, you know, the southern tip, I mean, that's, you know, a lot of Appalachian folks came from Ireland, and a lot of Appalachian music is, you know, derived from, from Irish music, a lot of those sort of folky tunes. Yeah, Irish music is very nice. Uh, one last question, Chris. We could go on and on. Obviously, this is so awesome just catching up with you. During the pandemic, I remember we talked at the last ball game. You started cycling. Are you still on your current schedule? Are you still trekking however many miles a day? Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm still cycling. I managed to uh, dislocate my shoulder recently, so that was, that was great. Yeah, it, it really, and it wasn't even from like a, you know, an interesting crash. I literally fell over on my bike. I, uh, I was, I was clipped into the pedals as you do on a road bike and, uh, sort of lost my balance at a stoplight and, uh, fell over and, and dislocated my shoulder. But aside from that little hiccup, uh, yeah, I, I love riding. It's, you know, I try to, I try to ride five days a week if I can, but you know, life often gets in the way of that. Um, but it's, yeah, it's, it's a pretty great, pretty great sport, pretty Pretty nice way to get some exercise. You see, see different parts of, you know, the area where you live that you probably wouldn't have seen before. Just riding around on the roads, um, it's fun. It's I don't know what it is about it, but it, 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 yeah, I love it. It's uh, it's the closest thing I've ever felt like to like actually flying. When I'm going down the road and I've got some you know good speed and I'm, and I'm feeling good and I can feel like the the electricity in my legs like really pumping the pedals and projecting me forward. It, it feels pretty amazing. Wow. I I have got to get on board. I've been saying that. Let me ask you also, I mean, are you, are you out there riding when it's 105 degrees? I try to go in the morning if it's going to be, uh, you know, I, morning is t- usually the, the best time to go anyway, um, whether it's a weekday or a weekend. Um, I mean, definitely when it's going to be a, a summer day in, in the South, uh, it's tough to get out in the middle of the day. I did recently, I rode in Auburn um, a few weeks ago when it was during one of those terrible heat waves, um, we rode 62 miles and it was like a hundred degrees by the time we were, you know, in the thick of it. That is insanity. It was pretty, it was pretty rough, but you know, cycling, um, kind of the main ethos of the sport is the idea of suffering. So it was sort of what it was all about, I guess. If you're feeling like you just about killed yourself then you're like, okay, that was a good ride. (laughs) Wow. Well, Chris, this has just been fantastic, and let's do it again sometime. I say that to a lot of my guests, you know, oh, we got to do a, a second episode. And really, if you're going to be on Dan time, I probably think highly enough of you to invite you back on. So, Chris, thank you so much for being a part of the show. And everybody, please, if you haven't already, check out Chris's reporting on the uh, Atlanta Business Chronicle. And what's the website again? Yeah, the website is bizjournals, that's B-I-Z journals.com slash Atlanta. We've got, you know, publications in like 40 cities across the country. Um, so if you happen to be listening from another American city, check out your other, your local business journal because we all do great work. And if people still enjoy the print version, can you subscribe? You can subscribe to the Chronicle online. Uh, you go... Um, you can subscribe to a digital only uh, package if, if that's your more of your style. But yeah, we still we do a, a weekly 
uh, print edition comes out every Fridays. I think it's definitely worth opening it up and kicking back and, and reading, a, you know, an actual physical newspaper every now and then. I love it. Okay, Chris. Well, I hope you have a wonderful weekend and thanks for joining the show. And guys, remember when your wife is after you about cutting the grass or picking up your clothes off the floor or just helping her out around the house. I mean, get yourself up off that chair, pause that game. You can you can pause everything nowadays and give your better half a hand. Get yourselves up and get things done. Happy wife, happy life. Nobody knows that better than me and my buddy Chris. Yeah, and if you're uh you know, if you got to go do some yard work, why not put those earbuds in and maybe listen to the latest episode of Dan Time while you're doing it. There you go. Okay, folks, that's it for Dan Time. We'll see you next week. Thank you, Chris. Thanks, D-Mac. Thanks, D-Mac.